Um, yeah. So, so this is a, oh my gosh. Um, I, are we starting? Yeah. This is such a, okay. Are we starting? The, oh, let's, let's start. <laughs> are we starting? Let's, let's start as bottom. if we were professionals. Okay. Yes. Pretend okay. just for this next 30 minutes that we're professionals. That we're professionals. Hello, and welcome to episode 11 <laughs> of the Making of the Monarch Papers. It's not that funny. I, uh... <laughs> <laughs> do, you want to try, do you want to try that again? I do, okay. I do. <clears throat> <laughs> okay, I'm going to. I can't look at you. All right. In the summer of 2016, a mysterious locked book appeared online, promising to reveal the magical secrets held inside if someone could solve the 16 puzzles required to open it. A year later, the book is open, and the adventure that thousands of readers embarked on to unlock it is becoming a book of its own. This is the story of how that adventure came to be. This is the making of the Monarch Papers. Hello, and welcome to The Making of the Monarch Papers, episode 11. I'm trying to be as, like, portentous as the intro is. Yeah. Because I have people laughing a lot that, you know, it's like 16 friends. And then, hey! And I'm like, hey, girl! (laughs) I think that works. So, um, yeah, welcome to The Monarch Papers, episode 11, Derkonos. We actually have questions today because I asked them. Um, and we have a ton of stuff to get Excellent. through. So much happened in this uh, in this episode, in this fragment. Um, have you? Do you? Are you aware of of uh, anything that went on that's a big deal in this? Uh, There's definitely something you'll be discussing. T. Uh, T. The low. The low the report. Low report. The oracular eye. Yes, that was the which ended up being one of the most popular characters, oh. <laughs> and it was just a, a burning Illuminati yeah. eye. Um, oh. That's our our number one merch seller. Oh, it, yeah, is is the oracular eye, and um, and uh, and Deirdre. There's a lot of stuff that goes on with Deirdre. She was in Israel and ended up in Montreal, and that was like sort of the culmination of the knocking doors and everything. So. Uh, let's get into it. I'm pulling up me notes so that I Where remember to start. what to talk That's about. Thing. Yeah. So the thing with this uh, phase is that they are they are facing off against an organization known as Kinetic Solutions, and at its head or near its head is a man named Teddy Fallon, and he has been experimenting on people called adepts who are magically inclined people with specific kinds of powers why are you because laughing you know, i get this vision of near his near its head i'm like what's what does he he's the neck he's the neck of the organization. <laughs> he's the, the neck, neck of the organization. Yeah, he's the big thick the neck top yeah. of the spinal column that kind of area <laughs> right so in this phase they are assembling parts of a while finding celestial objects these constellations they are assembling a drawing of a little girl named portensia and she's able mm-hmm. to see the future and the past and um, and so we have finished fragment ten, and now going into this, they um, we we left fragment ten where Ether had escaped comedic solutions. He had escaped his own body, and emailed the Mountaineers <clears throat> with a mandate to find someone named Sandvig. And so Ether is now traveling around the internet, assisting the Mountaineers in mysterious ways as his mind degrades. And Kemetic Solutions is still in possession of his, his body. body. Yeah. Yeah. And so through 
thingies, like reverse searches. Thingies. And, and short links. That's what Thing, the official the, name for it. Thingies, thingies. We set a bunch of thingies. thingies. We set so many thingies. <laughs> and um, using some clues, they ended up finding a website for a, a sort of mental health facility in Maryland called Go-Getters. And this is a real location. This is a real place. This was things were happening so frantically that we did not have time to. I wasn't going to design a mental make health stuff facility up. website. Sorry, steal it from reality. <laughs> yes. Worry about the and lawsuit actually, later. Right, and, or people having themselves um, 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 intern there. So they people were were risking calling. Uh, go-getters to find out if they because they believed it was fake and I had to send a message privately saying please do not please call don't them. bother these people they will accept you as a patient <laughs> please do not do this when you call them asking about magic and and um, so a pause uh, uh, an inter- I think some people on Patreon know this but do you know that uh, the story about Devin my assistant do I know it yes uh, about how go-getters is connected oh, to Devin no, I don't remember that story so he was, he was, he's been working on the wiki and doing recaps and things and really catching up on the story. He was my intern at the time that we did this, but he wasn't so much involved, involved in the narrative as sort of like administrative yeah. stuff. Well, when he finally read about go-getters, he asked if we had discussed it before, because just before he was born, his mom had worked at go-getters for something like 15 years. Wow, Isn't that so weird? That we choose that place. Yeah, and only the only reason we chose it is because in phase one, a sender happened to mention that he visited Augernon, and I chose Maryland yeah. randomly, and that's where Devin grew up. And so we used this one location that it, it was just strange. Uh, anyway, so they find Go Getters, and they're trying to figure out what they have to do there and why Aether is leading him, leading us there. And Martin pipes up and says, "Well, we, we I know why. It's because Augernon." the last of the 94 Mountaineers is a patient there. And so uh, Ether then unlocks this website or a part of this website called the Lost Athenaeum. And it is a library involved, uh, connected to the low. And this was another one of those websites where we had to build something for the low, but we didn't want them to have access to everything because that meant we had to write it. So we gave them a password RK Adler, a uh, username, and then a password, and so they could only access certain elements of the Whatever site. Whatever we only a pa- <laughs> Exactly. Any page that was relevant to them. And so so they realized, once they got access to the Lost Athenaeum, they were given a spell uh, called Consolatory Tea Time mm. for Misplaced Memory. And they realized they were going to have to use this spell on Augernon at a, at um, a Go-Getters. And this was a thing, I, 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 as it wasn't until like the end of phase two, we knew we were doing comedic solutions, but we didn't know for sure that Augernon would, would play a bigger part. And it wasn't until everyone felt such sympathy for him and his sort of tragic story that he had somehow sacrificed himself uh, uh, for the greater good to save his 94 Mountaineers that we realized, oh, we, we definitely have to do this again. So in phase four, when we decided to do time travel, he was their first point of yeah. contact in 1998, 1998, I think. Yep. 
And so, so Marty goes to meet Augie. They perform this spell. And you no, I'm laughing. I'm what? just, I'm just laughing because 1998. I know it's in the past, but it just doesn't feel that long ago to me. <laughs> it doesn't. It doesn't feel that long, especially for us. We, yeah. we were cognizant. If you were, that if we were, were talking about 88 babies. or 78, I'd be like, yeah, that's the past. I was a kid then. Oh, so but long ago. Yeah. I was like, oh, that was like yesterday, wasn't it? Yeah, I was ago. 20. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. Right. Once I'm out of college, that doesn't seem like a long yeah. time ago, but it is. <laughs> um, yeah, and so. So they get they glean a lot of information from Augie. The biggest reveal is that this is not the first time the book has come to a group of mountaineers. And they learn this sort of crucial war, this crucial information about this war that has been going on, which is the silver have been wiping out Monarch's Mountain, the mountaineers, every time this mysterious book comes and asks to be opened. Um, and... I think up until this point, they had believed that they were the first and that they were special. But it is this cycle that has been, that has happened over and over. And the silver always sends this thing called the storm to wipe them out. So the um, consolatory tea time for misplaced memory, what did that unlock? What did that what do? Happened, what happened, what happened was, was that everyone read these stories. They performed this tea ritual and it gave Augernon his memory back uh, temporarily. Yeah, yeah. And so Marty could sort of interview him. And this was one of those really, we had learned from the transcript of Cole and Lauren going into the Morgan library, instead of doing an audio or video recording of this with Marty and Augernon, it was so much more satisfying just to read the transcript because you really felt like you were there. Uh, and it was easier for us. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, at this point, we didn't want to, we didn't want to record that much. <laughs> no, no. And I didn't want to do another, another voice. voice. <laughs> and I re- frankly, I only have two. And so I was saving up for Teddy. Um, yeah, so th- there's so much. This, this, this fragment was something like 1,500 posts wow. on the forum. So there's so much to unpack. But they, so yeah, so they, they found all, they found that out. We this was nerve wracking for me personally, because we were getting into, we were establishing a big lore. Yeah. <laughs> so and you had so to watch everything you kind of said, everything. because it's like, well, these have stakes now. Yeah. Now we're establishing the, the greater enemy. We're establishing the storm. We're establishing this war that has gone on for cycle after cycle. It, it was so funny for us because then our time had freed up again. I remember and we were sort of saying, so okay, what, what what do we need to do? And you're sort of going, um, um, yeah. uh, I, I I I just kind of can't. I can't. I can't let you do anything because I don't know what I'm doing yet. And when I decide, it's going to have an impact on things that are happening in two years' time and blah blah blah. So Five I'm just going to yeah. shoot stuff your way when I need stuff. Thanks. Bye. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Exactly. I was like, no, I can't do this. I'm putting my head back yeah, in the yeah. shell. Um, but but that was uh, that was sort of how um, the low came the low report yes. came to be. We're skipping ahead a little bit, but that was a thing I could just say. I need to hide clues in um, in something, uh, and so I'm going to give you some numbers, <laughs> and then just build something around it. Yeah. And we had had the idea of like, wouldn't it be great if the low had a podcast? We need more and, of those podcasts. I feel <laughs> right. We need more of those podcasts. Um, and, and then we said, listen, just drop the Cagliostro performance yeah. in the middle of it and it'll make it feel like it's a half an hour 
thing. Yeah. It's only, it's only uh, eight, and then ten ju- minutes, the whole thing, I think, isn't it? I think so. Maybe, and then yeah. the bulk of it is the, the, the yeah. podcast, but we needed something for this last clue to in the fragment and so let's while we're here let's talk about <laughs> the low report <laughs> i do you know i can't remember the names of the characters that i created in the low report so i remember there's there's the 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 wee scottish guy the little one yeah talks like that i like that one yeah I you, like said, that you one. said you said you fell in i had a little bit of a crush on a couple of them <laughs> <laughs> uh, and by this stage in our relationship that was just so weird i was like oh really oh, <laughs> oh okay yeah, exactly. <laughs> don't do the scottish accent around cj okay <laughs> uh, so yeah there was there was the scottish guy and then there was the um low voice american kind of co-host and then what was there? Was a kind of on the street. There was sort of like, as well, wasn't was there? he Welsh? Was there a or a? No, he was a. Oh, I don't remember. But he was. Um, I'm not going to try to do it. But he was talking about like people were just floating in midair. Yeah, there was there was the, there was a sort of um, like a news bulletin report that we would we would yeah. listen to, and there and there was that was fun because I got to you know. There was sort of uh, outside broadcast stuff with street sounds and things like it that. It was so it fun. Was. It was a lot of fun to do. And it was a thing that, like, the stakes weren't high for it. No. And it just enriched the world. I love those things. They're my favorite things Me to too. do. Me too. Because you can just and get it's mad, sort of mad like, at them. Yeah, it's sort of like looking looking into a, a keyhole where you're like, you just see this little part of some greater place. And it and it leaves you asking more questions, which helps you enrich the world. Yeah, uh, helping the reader to do that. What is that? There, I'm I'm not gonna. Uh, there's a quote from Stephen King where he says that the the description of a place, the story should begin with the writer and end with the reader. There is this partnership that you shouldn't describe everything and every little bit, yeah. so that oh, yeah. someone's just passively reading it. You want, I mean, this responsive fiction thing is a whole different experience where they literally are changing. Yeah. The story but that was a way for them to say who is that guy and who is that and and of course it bought us time because <laughs> they thought there were like nine puzzles in there and people to meet and things like that but really it ended up just being these like megahertz gigahertz gigahertz yeah, yeah absolutely that led to an end but um it was i think the, the fun thing to do uh the fun thing about sorry those sort of podcasts and that sort of world of fiction is that exact thing that allows the listener to build the visual world and that's why i sort of love those things because when you're listening to um i remember you know listening to a lot of um books on tape when i was a kid uh, one mm-hmm. particular um version of dracula that would just terrify me because it, it was my imagination and my brain that was yeah. allowed to fill in all the gaps whereas you know tv film is limited by what visual not less these days obviously but um but what is possible whereas you you know your your imagination can do anything and sound is so much a huge part of directing your imagination so yeah it's a lot of fun and and i look forward to doing more of those and that's you know exciting yeah absolutely and we want to find ways to do that i remember when i was a kid i had a record that was just all of the sounds and narration of disney's haunted mansion (laughs) <laughs> and if you could have worn out a record, I would have worn that record out. I listened to it over and over and would just imagine and pretend I was there yeah. and what I was seeing. And and so much of that not, you know, I think that's why we're going off on a tangent. But I was just reading this thing about how fictional podcasts are big right now because we're bringing back like how radio plays existed. And it's a more interactive sort of partnership between the content and the and the person experiencing the content. I have a um, a selection of images 
on my uh, board to my right. Not really a vision board, but, you know, just things that, that kind of sum me up. And one of them is a picture of, um, well, on one half of it is Orson Welles, um, at the mm. speaker for War of the Worlds, and on the other half behind him Wonderful. is Bernard Herrmann conducting the orchestra who created the music. So it's kind of like yeah. those are my two icons. You know, also <laughs> Wells. Oh, that's perfect. Also Wells creating this world through his storytelling, and then Bernard Herrmann creating that amazing score behind it. It's like, oh yeah, the score. Yeah. I love that. That's fantastic. That's you in a nutshell. It is. Yeah. <laughs> I um, so back to fragment eleven. We also began to learn more about the inner workings of comedic solutions, not only from um, some personal journals of, of Fallon that Ether released, but also Whistler, an informant Whistler. working within yes. comedic solutions, um, has reached out to Marty and are, they're working together to sort of figure out what comedic solutions is doing and to bring it down. And the interesting thing about Whistler is, it served about a hundred purposes. We always knew it was Sasha. Yeah, we did. Um, yeah. <laughs> right. Because we wanted it to feel like, wow, you thought the devoted were bad. And look at this organization that is using her as a puppet now. Like she's nothing but a puppet. She's not even sort of the, the right-hand man of, of Teddy yeah. Fallon. She is just an engineer, like another cog in this machine. But we also wanted, we knew that, we needed to get information out. And once ether was sort of barred from and floating around the internet, we needed someone on the inside, someone who could not only give information about how comedic solutions was structured and some of the history of it, but also logistically, we weren't telling the readers that there was going to be a heist or a rescue, but we were giving them all of the tools to to do that if they chose to. We really hope they yeah, chose yeah, 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 to. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and at Prompt some point, team. once they sort of latched onto that, we were a go for putting together that final produced audio at the end of Fragment 12 yeah. and, and the big rescue. We always knew that there would be an infiltration. We just didn't know um, when they would catch on to that. And so that was, Whistler helped give a sort of blueprint and layout of Comedic Solutions. Also started, she... Uh, I, I, I just froze for a second. I forgot, like I was giving it away that it was a sheep. Um, and yeah, oh yeah, we've established. And so, and so there were things like elevator banks that no one seemed to notice, but her, because mm. Whistler had been clipped by a car in the city in Boston and had sort of woken up from this thing that Comedic Solutions was doing, where when employees left Comedic Solutions via the shuttles, they would kind of forget, like things suddenly didn't matter. Whistler described it as tying your shoe. It's a thing you need to do, but it's not a thing you wouldn't remember the last time you tied your shoe. Yeah. And that's what Comedic Solutions was doing to them, making them sort of not see the things, all these things they'd done. A bit like sort of hypnosis-y and, kind of. Yeah. yeah ignore and and Right. And there were people, there were a lot of new readers at the time and people thought they were physically going to have to go to Comedic Solutions or they were calling. <laughs> there, there was, oh. I don't know if we talked about in this last fragment, but there was also a real Teddy Fallon <laughs> as well as a real, you know, a mental health facility. <clears throat> and we had to sort of say, settle, please settle down. Everything You're going to be arrested. Fiction. <laughs> yes. But yeah. Um, and so... Ether also released these notes of um, 
Teddy Fallon. And so I keep wanting to say Kendrick because I have it written on my notes that I want to talk about that. Mm -hmm. That was a decision, a sort of break point for the, the readers. But we also learned about two initiatives called Sweeper and Wanderer. And this was us setting up, you know, they had heard mention of the storm over and over and over again. Uh, they didn't know if it was sort of storm troopers or a malevolent spell or some natural force. But Sweeper and Wanderer were two initiatives that we were setting up then. And one, of course, was Teddy Fallon's son, Wanderer, who had had the power to switch things between time periods. And we'll get into that in another, in another fragment. Yeah. But these were the two primary elements of... Um, of of the storm and wanderer was us setting up the fact that sully uh deirdre's father had been wandered himself that the journal entries we were getting every phase were actually from him in the 1800s and that he hadn't died and this was sort of that connective tissue where it's like what we've talked about a lot where there's this loose framework we know where we want to go and then also we are connecting all these threads that we know we'll come back to um, and, and that was one case. There was a character that Teddy Fallon talked about in his journals called Kendrick. And Kendrick had been um, in the room when they put Portensia in this thing they called the chair, this chair which amplifies Adept's powers. And it was some sort of throne. And this was another thing where we, we established the chair, its malevolence. It seemed like it was hundreds of years old and had n- no better idea about it than the readers did. Yeah. To where we just felt like, they'll fill that yeah, they, that's the, they'll, that's the they'll tell us how scary that is <laughs> yeah, or yeah, where yeah. it's from yeah. or is it Anne of Brittany's or is it you know <laughs> we'll let them come to that but Kendrick was this interesting option at the end of the phase we should probably save this fragment 12 but I'm just remembering it now Kendrick was in a medically induced coma because something had happened where Portensia's mind had been fragmented and turned into all these little pieces of that drawing. And that's what the readers were collecting. And they were stuck in people's minds. And Kendrick was one of them. And we had always planned that Ether would go back with Marty to Comedic Solutions in his phone. But we didn't know. And I think, I wish I could remember, but there were things that if the readers didn't get the spells right at the end of Fragment 12, when they infiltrated Comedic Solutions, Teddy was going to kill Ether's physical body. Mm. And so Ether would be lost, <laughs> yeah. and Ether would end up inhabiting Kendrick's body. So there was always this way out. And I think they talked about that briefly, but everything went so well. And and because they lost so much at the end of Fragment 12, literally the book was burned and, and getting ahead, Marty. Getting ahead, getting ahead. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. Sorry, sorry. Run 11, run that, 11. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that they had to, um, that we gave them that win. That yeah. Ether sort of went back to his body and survived. So so let, the, big, the big goal of this fragment was the last oracular eye. Yeah. They... Ether said to them that he had found the eye and moved it close to home and it was near them, but they had to find it. I have the quote. It's close to home. Find the eye when the sun sets over the 18 gates. So this was this and, the first time they'd learned about the council for the 18 gates? Yes. Yeah. Yes. The, the eye would reveal that to the, them. This was the first time they had heard the term, the 18 gates. And and turns out there are a lot of places in the world that have 18 gates. And <laughs> <laughs> in my precursory Google search for how many gates are in Central Park, I have. Oh, this is a fun Easter egg too. Uh, readers, who there there are 18 gates in Central Park, 
and there are six guilds. And Johnny and I spent way too much time, too much time. figuring out which how the guilds would break down and connect to the doors. <laughs> and so there are three gates for every guild. And so maybe we could create a topic on the forum that readers can figure out. They can posit what what door, what gates they think they are They probably have better idea guild. as well. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. And it, what I mean is do my job. For yeah, me. yeah. <laughs> oh. So they end up finding the image. It almost looks like an Illuminati eye in a triangle and it's closed on a hidden Basecamp blog page. And at the exact time that the sun sets over Central Park, the eye awakens. And what the eye was is this ancient parchment that would, it was, it was held by the Freemasons for a long time. I'm, t I'm saying this as if it's historical. <laughs> this is from, this is from the oracularized wiki, yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, held by the Freemasons for hundreds of years. They, you could use it once individually and it would offer you two of three emotional outcomes. It could look into your future and you could ask for hope, illumination and despair. You could have two of the three. And it would tell you something from your future. Like, it said all three would come to you, pass. You could have two and three. It's like you can have it fast and cheap, or you can have it. What is <laughs> exactly. it? What is, what is it? I can't remember what it is. Yeah. Is it, is it, is it, you can have it fast, cheap, or good. You can't have all yeah. three. You, can have, you have can't two have all three. That, that's probably where this came from. I was dealing with a lot of contractors at this point. <laughs> um, and so, so you could ask two of those three. It would tell you your future although all three would come to pass. And in its history, this was another page that Ether had unlocked on the Lost Athenaeum. Uh, at some point, someone had tried to scan the parchment. And when they did, the eye disappeared. And the eye was now traveling around the internet. And people had swore they found it on web pages. And so Ether brought it to the Mountaineers. And I think like a hundred people voted on this because they had to decide what they were going to ask it, hope, illumination, or despair. And in the end, they chose hope and illumination. And I had, yeah, I had replies set up for all of them. And so they found the eye and I found this amazing video that was on a loop of this sort of Illuminati eye that was on fire. Yeah. So it was like Illuminati meets Sauron and... <laughs> So they found it and they got to talk to it. It was, oh, oh, here's one thing that went terribly wrong. So I spent something like $30 on this chat plugin. Uh, and so set up the oracular eye to be able to communicate with the Mountaineers, had it all set up, tested it out so they could type, hey, we chose hope and we chose illumination. And then the oracular eye would write back. <laughs> it wasn't until they found it, it launched that they there was no chat area for them there was no way for them to submit a question it just didn't load uh. for I, I still have no idea why um and so i realized oh i will so now the script i had for the oracular i was completely <laughs> out the window of course. and had to say oh i sense a collective entity i sense several people here <laughs> i i now i now sense that you've chosen hope and illumination um and so illumination the oracular i told them all about this entity this collective group known as the council of the 18 gates and they have been sending the book to mountaineers throughout history to try to tell them the truth because magic is fading from this world this is enough they've just learned that magic is waning it's finite and it takes a long time to gather enough energy to send the book and that both Traveler and King Rabbit have worked in league 
with the council at one point. And so everyone assumed in the beginning that the council must be evil because of King, King Rabbit. Rabbit. Yeah. Right. And so I tried to explain via the eye that <laughs> he was sort of, he was, he was a contract player. He was a freelancer. He's like a trickster kind of. Yeah. Character. And he's sort of, yeah. he's a Loki, right? Yeah. He's like the enemy of my enemy is my yeah. friend. Self-serving. Um, yeah. And, and they literally said, listen, you can have this pocket watch if you help us. Like, yes, you can have your trinket, but just help us do this. We need your help. Um, and so they learn about the council. And then with hope, they learn that there have never been a group of mountaineers closer than this group, <clears throat> which some people were like, okay, I didn't really feel like I learned a lot. <laughs> I'm glad we're all best friends, but how do we stop the storm? Um, and yeah, so and so they also learn that the storm is coming for them now. And and they are they have now completed fragment 11 and they know from augie that the storm came for the 94 mountaineers at the end of fragment 12. yeah so they ha now have one more fragment before until it's showtime until it's showtime um so we have some questions oh and meanwhile deirdre so deirdre was in israel she uh made it to montreal she met um colby uh who was a member of sullivan's coven and he's a firefighter in Montreal, and he's a Gosmere. And they perform tome kindling with one of the Monarch Papers volumes. And Deirdre realizes like the ultimate truth about um, her father and her mother, and also that this is the end of the road. Right. This is what the this is what I wanted to tell you. This is what I wanted to teach you. And now you're done. And of course, Deirdre refuses to believe that, and then of course ends up being true. It's her <laughs> final test from <laughs> her father, but also. Um, uh, this is when she's in Israel and all the doors come knocking. Yeah. She she's faced with that painting, and no one really knows what what that means yet. But um, we're setting up the whole phase four neither nor situation. Yeah. So we have some we have some questions. Shoot. Um, this one's from Robert. A question for you regarding fragment eleven and to some degree ten. How concerned were you really about the chance we might get too far carried away and do something like call the real Teddy Fallon <laughs> or actually try to get ourselves committed at go-getters just to see what happens? I was super concerned. Yeah. <laughs> and and the, the tough part is that a lot of new readers had come in at this point. And so someone did call Teddy Fallon and his voicemail picked up and he didn't answer because people wanted to sort of make their mark. They, they were fresh. Yeah. And so much of it was just recounting and recapping and someone would say, what about King? What's who's the rabbit? And someone would say, oh, that's phase one. Don't worry about it. We're, we're here now. And so a lot of people were like, I want to be the one who finds, finds a thing, thing or does yeah. a thing. So they emailed go-getters. They did call Teddy Fallon. And so this was one of the first times I had to privately sort of, I think this was when the cabinet was created on the forum because I had to have a place to send messages to say, please stop communicating <laughs> with real people. <laughs> Um, yeah, so that, that was that question. We also have some questions on, uh, Instagram. I'll pull them up now. I'm glad I'm completely unprepared. <laughs> all right. Hold on. Hold, please. We'll cut all this. We'll, we we'll, all we'll, this. Yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll do a tap dance. <laughs> while sure. yep. Um, so Vivian has a Draconos question. That was the name of this. Oh, and we, I, there's one little bit I want to say about Marty, but in an earlier episode, you mentioned that you didn't expect the reader's strong negative reaction towards Sasha and the devoted. Were you hoping for a certain reaction to comedic solutions in general and Teddy Fallon in particular? And do you think you got it? 
I ask because it seems like some of Teddy's logs may have been intended to garner sympathy, but that doesn't seem to be what happened. I, that's a really interesting question because, I mean, I think that's right, isn't it? The devoted, we, we thought originally they weren't going to be the enemy. They were just going to be another kind of rival group. Who were t- they were kind of the low. They were, yeah, in they way. were in, in originally, and then that didn't work out. <laughs> because, right. Because I pissed people off by doing something on an email. Or <laughs> oh, that's right. I think, I think it I, was your tone. I think my it was tone your really pointed tone. Like, just annoyed people. And they're like, well, to hell with them. We're going to do it. Oh, yeah. like, oh, shit. Okay, right. <laughs> I, right. I do think that's what happened that people were, that we, because the devoted were like, hurry up. Hurry up! And I was trying. Yeah, that was it. Very it was. frustrated by it. I was trying to be quite sort of cold, clinical, and we, we are on we are on a, a trajectory, and you better keep up. And it was it was that it was all that you guys aren't answering quickly enough, and so right. it was oh okay well then blah 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 <laughs> yeah yeah and and so I think I think the same thing with with comedic solutions. I mean, on the one hand, his his journal entries are very sympathetic. Where. Teddy talks about how he worries about the adepts and and he also talks about how he knows what this organization above him wants, but he doesn't believe this is necessarily the right way to go about it. Um, I, I think part of that was setting the 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 stage for a possible sympathetic uh, Teddy Fallon, but I also think that it just makes a richer villain. Yeah, you that he is torn. Yeah, that he's not sure, he doesn't, he's not positive, but he becomes positive by the end of this. And and also, um, there was something else I was going to... All the best villains are human. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I mean? They, they, they yeah. have a human side. And you know, we love to know what sent them down this path or that there's a hope for redemption, even if there, even if there really isn't. We just like to know, I think, know that. So, yeah. Right. And I think we weren't exactly sure how it was going to go or how people would feel about him. And so we wanted to have a possibly redeemable character. Um, I, you know, it, I, I think I learned my lesson with the Cagliostro. I was sure he was going to be this nefarious enemy. And one post made people fall in love with him. Yeah. That someone, and, and we kind of mirrored that with Teddy Fallon a bit in that his hands are tied. Uh, and I think that was to help establish how malevolent the silver was. Um, but we also had realized, you know, they end up performing tea time with Teddy too. And I wanted to get into this really tragic villain, mm. this, what had happened with his, his son. And that's a great question. And, and I think it was, it was one of those strings of sort of our responsive fiction where we were keeping the door open. Yeah. Let's see what happens. There was even a topic on the forum where people were debating whether or not he was a good man or not, whether he was redeemable, whether he was, you know, it was heated. And it was that was really exciting um, because people were genuinely torn about a character we had created. Um, yeah. Cool. Yeah. So that's the answer. Oh, and so so we have this fragment ends. They get Draconos um, from the oracular eye. They get another piece of the puzzle. But then um, how we get the low report is Ether tags. Um, he, he releases the low report through the Basecamp YouTube channel. And then he tags um, the megahertz and gigahertz onto a hidden page that leads to an email from one of Marty's old friends saying, you've got to come to grips with the fact that there's no magic in the world and this and that. And, and Ether says in that message, you have to tell them the truth, Marty. And so Marty finally reveals to the Mountaineers that he feels responsible for 
he feels he let down Brendan Lockman. He feels he let down Lauren Ellsworth, and now he feels like he's going to let down Ether. All these people who are always entrusted with him it, it, it have have come to trust him and and feel safe with him, only to be let down by him. And that he is a recovering alcoholic. And also, a lot of these we now had a pretty good idea about where that that the Monarch Papers was going to be, the novelization was going to be narrated by Martin Rank. And so we were setting the stage for that too with this because yeah. now we had a firm, a, a better idea about what his arc was going to be. Instead of just a, a a narrator, he himself had an arc that extended as sort of a B story throughout the Monarch Papers. And that's almost done now. It's, it's with the editor for proofing and I'm really excited for them to see because it's a whole brand new experience for people who have even gone through every single fragment and the Monarch Papers because there's this narrative they don't know about. Awesome. Uh, yeah, so that's Fragment 11. That was a long one. It's another one where I don't know. Uh, I was pressed for time. I was hectic. I couldn't believe how, you know, how much work there was to do, but somehow we made everyone more and more complicated. <laughs> we're very good at that. <laughs> yeah, that and, and I think, too, we were getting to the end of this phase and, a, and ramping up phase four and realizing there was a lot of lore and narrative I really wanted to establish prior to everything that's going to come after. And so we had to get that ball rolling. Yeah. But we couldn't give it too early because it would, I think we had a bunch of smart readers and they would start guessing what was happening. And so we had to hide a lot of information that we started just like vomiting <laughs> <laughs> from around this point on. Um, yeah, so... Um, Thanks for listening to episode 11 of The Making of the Monarch Papers. Um, if you're a fan of Ackerly Green and haven't contributed at Patreon, you can check out patreon.com slash ackerlygreen. Uh, all the contributions to our Patreon help us do this podcast because we can outsource mundane administrative things to other people and we have time to do fun things like this. Um, and also in July, we're going to be completely revamping Patreon with all new rewards. Um, it's an exciting time. If you're new to the world of Ackerly Green, you can go to ackerlygreen.com and um, meet some readers and get sorted into a guide. Oh, I shouldn't say sorted. Uh, get, <laughs> <laughs> get assigned into your, your guild and, um, and, and have a lot of fun and learn about magic. Uh, until next week, Simon, thank you so much. Bye. Bye. Bye.